Welcome to episode number 299 of Destination Linux, a video podcast show from the Text Digital Network. If you're new to the show, Destination Linux is a discussion podcast perfect for all experience levels. Whether you're brand new to open source or a guru of sudo, this is the podcast for you. My name is Jill. I'm Michael. And I'm Ryan. And on this week's awesome episode of Destination Linux, we discuss advertising or promoting products in your distro. Is it okay or the start of something terrible? Then we will be taking a look at the latest version of Ubuntu. Plus, we have our tips, tricks, and software picks. All this and more coming up right now on Destination Linux to keep those penguins marching. This week in our community feedback, we got an email from Jack. And if you want to send in your own feedback, you could go to tuxdigital.com slash contact to get in touch with us. Or you can join the Tux Digital community forum by going to tuxdigital.com and clicking on the forum link at the top of the page. Jack goes on to say, giving us feedback from a prior episode, that there is a way that you can get the root privileges or pseudo privileges in Nautilus file manager and give us the way to do it. And the discussion was more of why do we have to do workarounds to get it? Cause they're extensions and other things. Right. But I still thought this was pretty cool. And when I tried it, it does work perfectly. So I figured we could share this with the community here. You're going to open gnome files or Nautilus. Then you're going to click on other locations at the left pane. Now I noticed I didn't have to do the other locations thing. On the side, it's towards the bottom. You can just hit Control L, and this is going to bring you up the address bar to make it editable in Nautilus. So you're just going to type in admin colon slash slash slash, and then that's going to allow you, it's going to prompt for a password and allow you to have administrative rights or pseudo rights basically right from the file manager there. So until we do have the option of having the GUI options in the file manager themselves or allowing a setting or something else I think we talked about in the discussion to allow people who want that feature right from the graphical user interface. If you do that admin workaround, that will allow you to mess around with root access right from your file manager, which if you do not know what you're doing, don't do it. That's the whole reason it's kind of locked down to begin with. Yes. But if you know what you're doing and or you just want to break stuff because it's a VM or and a digital ocean droplet <laughs> and you could just remake it, then go have fun with it. But it's kind of a cool workaround there that I didn't know about. I knew about the extensions and other things, but I didn't know about this one specifically. So. Yeah, I didn't know about this either. I mean, I tried yeah. it in Dolphin. It doesn't work in Dolphin. But I mean, the control L part does work because that's a standard universal shortcut for all file managers. But it's it's interesting that this is an option when it when you when you activate this i didn't try it myself because obviously i don't i'm not running Nof, uh, nautilus right now but when you tr when you do it does it turn the entire file manager into admin mode that's really yeah. cool that's really cool. yeah yeah and it does. It, it does it it does visually seem like there's kind of a change to things because all of a sudden you can see all these the stuff that wasn't there before so it's not like mm. you're still sitting in your home folder and you just see your normal document so there's a clear visual cue that you're in something you're not supposed to, um, well, no, not supposed to, but that we usually keep restricted. So people will know that they have that unless they probably write some script or something to keep it on all the time. Right. Again, I don't recommend doing that type of stuff. Now, some people do have it so that it's there all the time. I know Bo, for instance, does because he literally yeah. is <laughs> a professional hacker. So he wants access to all of that right through the GUI at all times. But if you're not a professional, then just, you know, Use it when yeah. you absolutely need to. 
Well, you know, I had actually ran into this like many years ago. I remember doing this. And uh, thank you, uh, Jacques or Jack, for, you know, bringing this to our attention because then I remembered, oh, yeah, that was a thing, putting in admin. And actually, I'm in Ubuntu Mate right now. And one of the reasons I do like uh, Kaha is that it has a right-click admin context menu already built in. Like Ryan suggested, if you want to break stuff, What's a safe way to do that? Well, DigitalOcean is a great way because you can use their snapshotting system to easily go back and fix it anytime you mess up, of, even if you do it on purpose. For some reason, that's what Ryan says people do. So <laughs> this episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Get started right now by going to do.co slash tux2022. DigitalOcean is a fantastic platform. They have a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so you and your teams can get back to doing what matters most, building world-changing apps that grow your business. And in addition to the snapshotting features that allows you to break stuff and not have to worry about it, DigitalOcean also has predictable pricing, robust product documentation, and services that developers love. For example, I love the DigitalOcean Marketplace, where you can find all sorts of great software that you can easily set up as droplets in just a few clicks. It is awesome. Plus, at DigitalOcean, you can get support at every stage of growth. Whether you have a team of just yourself or a team of a thousand people, with DigitalOcean, you can get growing with their simple, powerful cloud computing services. And as a listener of the Destination Linux podcast and a member of the Tux Digital community, you can get started for free. In fact, it's even better than free because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 60-day free credit when you go to do.co slash tux2022. That's do.co slash tux2022. So again, go get started with that $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's awesome cloud platform by going to do.co slash tux2022. So Ubuntu is in the news this week and it's, uh, well, last week and this week with this new controversy I love controversy. Controversy sells. It does. And this controversy mm -hmm. it does. is just, it's going to blow your mind. Imagine you're in your terminal, you're typing sudo apt update, and all of a sudden you get an advertisement for new shoes. And you get an advertisement for a chair and a stool or where you could get 50% off a local restaurant near you. Now, Perfect. none of that is actually happening. <laughs> yeah, none of that's true. <laughs> none, of that's, none of that is real. But that's what people are fearful of. People are fearful that what Ubuntu did here, which was a much, much, much vile, milder version of what we're talking about, is going to create a future in which that could be what people see down the road. So what actually happened is in the apt update process, some people were seeing a message talking about Ubuntu Pro. Mm -hmm. now, we're going to get into what Ubuntu Pro is because it's kind of a, I wouldn't say it's a newer thing, but they've opened it up some more to people. And so a lot of right. consumers probably haven't been nearly aware of what it is and what it does and all of that. But essentially, it just gives you a little message saying, hey, you can try Ubuntu Pro. You're going to get more security enhancements or updates, something along those lines. And that's it. But people are furious because, you know, it's canonical. Really, anything canonical does, people are going to get furious about, number one. Uh, but true. number two, there are some people who legitimately have a fear that this is a slippery slope situation. Okay, today it's Ubuntu Pro. Tomorrow it's, you know, the local restaurant example that I gave. Do we want distros spamming messages when you're doing things like update or upgrade in there, even if it is for a service that benefits the end user? Because 
Ubuntu Pro, it's free and it could benefit the end user to have these additional security updates. So should this be allowed in distros? Michael, you've been around mm -hmm. long enough, 20 something years or whatever, using Linux, 20 billion years, whatever it is. Um, tell Excessive. me, <laughs> do, you think, do you think this should be allowed in distros? Does this highly offend you? No, it does not. So this is an interesting topic because I am usually on the not in the popular scope of people who typically don't like these kinds of things because I also have a background in marketing and I look at what is you an are ethical the enemy. No, <laughs> I, oh. I'm the ethical marketer, like how a marketing can be done right. I think this is fine because it's just text. It's not like they're actually tracking you for anything. And it also isn't like it's not it's not an advertising that's an, it's annoying or out of nowhere. Like you're using Ubuntu and it's telling you, hey, you could use this free service to improve your experience on Ubuntu just by signing. Like that kind of thing, I don't feel is, you know, egregious or anything like that. They're not basically just putting this everywhere of these advertisements that are just plastered in your face as soon as you boot the machine. Like that would be absolutely annoying to just turn on your computer and all of a sudden start getting pop ups in your main menu, like, you know, Windows. So like there is a or case where- Or they where, just pre-install mm -hmm. stuff like yeah, it's exactly. just, hey, we've signed you up for Ubuntu Pro yeah. and downloaded the app to your desktop. Enjoy. I mean, I, yeah. I will be annoyed when, it, when I open my Ubuntu and I click the dashboard little pop-up for the menu and then Candy Crush pops up. That would be pretty annoying. <laughs> would you though? Because Candy Crush is pretty dope. Jill, <laughs> what do you yeah. think about this situation? Should we be outraged or is this a-, well, a I think Michael is wrong. <laughs> Good Jill. What? But, I love that. But it. I will will agree. This is it, it's really not an ad that generates canonical, you know, money. Uh, that 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 is something after, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot. And it's it actually is more like a public service announcement, you know, let people know as opposed to an yeah. ad. But I do think that it's an overstep to insert a promo for a canonical service at the command line, you know, especially when the terminal is actually a safe place where you go to escape annoyances. <laughs> Interesting point. I didn't think about that. So yeah. let me throw this in there, Jill. Uh, people say that, or who are upset about this, that they're kind of upset too about the apt situation because canonical doesn't own apt and therefore they shouldn't be basically taking a promotion opportunity on the top of apt to begin with. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Mike or Jill? Um, I do think it, it belongs more in Snap repository. <laughs> I yeah. think you are right about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, the snaps, you think, you're not going to be running that. You're not, you, the snaps automatically update, so you're not even going to be running Snap that, update. They auto-update, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> so that's not the thing issue. about apt is interesting because there are two different versions of apt, and a lot of people aren't aware of this. So there's the apt that Debian made in like the late 90s, and then there's the apt package binary that is what people are using. So if you've, no, like in the past couple of years, it's become a very standard thing for people to say, just use sudo apt install, sudo apt upgrade, that sort of thing. But it used to be sudo apt get install and et cetera. And there was apt cache, apt search, and just a bunch of other things that were, you know, kind of a messy situation. And the messy situation is the original version that was from the 90s in that Debian made. However, the apt mm -hmm. binary package was made by a canonical employee. So in like 2014. So in a way, 
it's not about like owning it, but they are the people who make it. So if they made a change to it, that's only on their distribution. I don't see how it's a problem. And I don't see how it's a problem anyway if they're just changing it on their distribution. If they put it in Debian, where when you loaded up Debian apt update and then it said mm -hmm. you should use Ubuntu Pro, that would be completely annoying. Yeah. And I get it why people would be, but that's not what's happening. It's just Ubuntu Pro being promoted in Ubuntu. So I'm okay with that. And I think overall, the advertising aspect, people kind of take like this really weird, rigid position of saying no advertising ever, never, but then they also want everything for free. Like you're gonna have to find a way to balance some level of, there needs to be monetization, there needs to be funding to create these things. And if you're refusing to do, to be to use ads and you're refusing to pay anything at all, then like, what do you expect it to be? Like just not good? Well, I think Joe makes an interesting point, though, because I'm on the fence. My position is I'm not quite sure how to feel about this. On one side of the fence, I think what Jill said is very accurate. Don't mess with mm -hmm. the terminal. That's where we go. We're doing business. We need to focus on what we're doing. Don't give me messages unless something's broken, errored, or I need to do another step that I don't need there. But if Ubuntu had put this during the install process, I wouldn't have even blinked. And if people got upset about it, like, hey, by the way, do you want to sign up for Ubuntu Pro while you're here uh, installing? I, sure. Like, that seems like a very logical place to put it. So I do feel that is interesting. I think the slippery slope thing is always a tough argument, too. And that's what people utilize against this type of thing. And we see the slippery slope is not just an invalid argument that doesn't happen. We see it in the privacy and security world all the time where mm -hmm. this actually becomes a slippery slope. Somebody says, I want to protect children, so we're going to pass this law. Okay, great. And then the company uses that same thing to start advertising to people and doing all this other, pulling people's metadata and all this other stuff. So this good reason becomes a really bad reason because they abuse it. And let's be honest, Canonical, the whole Amazon fiasco, this isn't a company that's free from controversy when it comes to advertising. So this one, did it overstep? Maybe not. But in the next one, are we going to have like, uh, hey, use our short link Amazon link so we can get some money when you're buying products on Amazon? Sure. Announcement? Okay. Let, let me <laughs> let me clarify what I'm saying because I feel like I'm going to be just like taken to court or whatever in the in the comments or whatever. So the what I'm trying to say is not that advertising is automatically good. I'm just saying that not every piece of advertising is automatically horrible and you should never do it at all. So. In certain cases, yes, there have been cases, and specifically with Ubuntu, where they took it too far. And like you talked about the Amazon thing, a lot of people weren't aware that um, basically when Ryan started doing Linux, there was the Amazon thing where it was just a button and that sort of. But if you go back a few years before that, they actually had like advertising results when you searched inside of your system, which was absolutely irritating and a complete... Uh, ignoring the the user experience. So when you would type in just a couple letters of an application you wanted to open, you would start getting Amazon results in your desktop like search results. It's, it was Man. very weird. So that is th that is rough. Yeah. <laughs> in that situation, I 100% say they shouldn't have done that and it took them way too long to revert that decision, but at the same time, this is a different sort of thing. It's it's just a couple little couple lines of text 
it's relevant to what they're doing at the time. For example, the one of the values of Ubuntu Pro is to get automatic upgrades. And if you're doing an upgrade manually, it's kind of saying, hey, if you want to do this automatically, you could sign up for Ubuntu Pro. So it is relevant to what they're doing in the terminal at that time. Now, if they were doing this on any kind of variation of any command and it just popped up every time you did something, that would be irritating, but it is relevant. So it's, I feel like, it's a very like minimal gray area, but at the same time, I think it's very little annoyance overall. I think people are blowing it out of proportion. Yeah. Interesting. My Another complaint I did have is that there is no way to opt out of it. That is a that's, thing. Okay. That, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. And there is something something else, and and this is something I don't don't mind is that Ubuntu Pro, you know, is actually very useful to let people know about, but the GUI already does this for managing system updates. So there, there's already little, uh, you know, pop-ups and information on, you know, using Ubuntu Pro. So. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, it to me, it makes sense to have it yeah. either way, because if you're doing a terminal, you're doing a GUI. I don't think that the terminal is this, you know, glorious uh, <laughs> sanctuary. <laughs> it should yeah, be sanctuary. sanctuary. Uh, why? I think it like, should be. Like, I, I think I, it depends on how far it's gone. Like, and to me, a couple lines of text is not it's, too much. It's okay. But at the same time, it can be too, you can cross that line. And I understand yeah. that. If they start putting ASCII art or like, you know, start doing animated stuff like the steam engine going past, like that, you know, that uh, the LS thing. Like but if I they mean, did, what's keeping <laughs> them from taking it to the next step, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah. someone's if asking too, too in much, our chat. Yeah. By the way, we're live here every Sunday. If you want to see our beautiful faces or Jill's beautiful face and then Michael and me. And then we're uh, here You too. can come here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they ask that, does this show up every time you open a terminal session? The answer is no. I no. actually installed the new version of Ubuntu and didn't see it at all when I was doing update and upgrade and stuff. Jill said she has seen it. I've actually not yeah. seen it yet. So I think it's kind of random when it pops up. I don't know if it's a timer, if you see it once or whatnot. I think that this particular thing is just people are worried about what it could mean from a company that has kind of done some things in the past that are very questionable with this type of stuff. But I would, to me, I was just like, eh, it's Ubuntu. I mean, I'm not surprised. But if we saw this with another distro, would we be, would we change our position? If we were talking right now about Fedora promoting RHEL in the developer edition of RHEL, Every time you ran an update command, would you be mad or would you still be like, no, that's fine? Is this something where it's just because it's Ubuntu and there's some history there? Or is this, we would have the same, Jill, would you have the same position regardless of who it was? Yeah. If, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I would definitely. Because overall, universally, I just, I just don't want that in my terminal. <laughs> yeah. Now, one thing I would be in support of is if you're in KDE, for instance, and you know, you're probably having experience that KDE provides and you would be better off in GNOME, of course. So in KDE, every time what? I ran an update, it gave you an advertisement, hey, have you tried GNOME recently, which is a superior desktop environment. That would be what? an okay <laughs> ad because you're trying to really help the user get to something superior. I don't understand. You know? This this is this that statement you just made does not make any sense to me. I don't know what you're talking about. So, by the way, you, for everyone, I'm joking. I'm picking on Michael because he loves KDE. That's, I don't really believe that. Keep your hate mail. I know you opened your email and you're really jamming on the keyboard, but it was a joke. All right. 
but I think we should take it a little further and and promote all the different uh, uh, window managers and uh, that that you know you can install in Linux, like a window maker or Flexbox. Might I as well. I3WM. Uh, See, yeah, I would be in support yeah. of that. That's where my bias <laughs> if, comes in. If it was like, stop using Fedora or any of these distros that don't have I3WM by default, that I'm in support of. <laughs> hey, TWM for the win. Yeah. <laughs> or I, I rat think poison. That, I yes, think that your question absolutely. about like whether or not you would be okay with if a different distro did it, and I personally have the same. I have the same position. I think that as long as you're not stepping over the line, then it's it's fine to do. I think really that if they were using this as a way to make you know uh, revenue, that would probably be annoying because it's in the terminal. But if they were in the terminal and then I had a pop up for you know some insert some random company like one of those uh, meal kit every month services things. Like if that popped up, I'm like, okay, it's too much. But it's, it's something that's relevant to the user at the time. So that doesn't really bother me. It depends on what exactly would be shown to the user. So I am not pro-advertising, but I'm also not anti-advertising entirely is what I'm saying. So that's there's a great segue to our sponsor meal thing every time thing. If you <laughs> too thing want meal thing sent to you once a month, <laughs> you could say, okay, let's talk about Ubuntu, what Ubuntu Pro is. Because I think there's a lot of people uh, who have no idea what Ubuntu Pro is. Well, it's a meal so, kit that you get every three, every two weeks. <laughs> every month. <laughs> yes, uh. every month you get an Ubuntu meal kit. That would be great, actually. Um so first, it's a service that's now in public beta. So public beta being the key word. It offers 10 years of security coverage to an additional 23,000 packages outside of just the packages in the main OS. So including things like Ansible, Apache, Tomcat, Docker, all of that stuff, you get an additional security coverage on all of those apps, 23,000 of them out there. Uh, it also offers compliance and hardening by including tools from compliance man management. And this is especially important for those who are in regulated environments and audited environments. It is free for a certain amount of users, but then it costs money. So it's not something right. that's totally free. Michael, you said something about generating revenue. I mean, I think this is the idea behind it is totally. I mean, it is they could generate right. revenue with it. It's a sure. revenue thing, but it's not for the sole purpose of just saying, hey, someone paid us to talk about it. You know, it's in terms of the meal kit uh, argument is I would be anti that because it would be clear that they're just there to serve me an ad. Whereas this is that they're providing a service that might be relevant to the user. And that's why it's a little bit different. But it is a, it's free for up to five machines or 50 if you're an official community member of Ubuntu. And to be an official community member, you need to apply and then show that you have contributing to Ubuntu over a certain amount of time for a certain amount of stuff. Do so we qualify? We talk about Ubuntu. I feel like that's a kind yeah. I'm going to go apply and see if they deny. I think it's worth a shot. It's worth a shot, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for absolutely. sure. And, you know, Mark Shuttleworth actually said about Ubuntu Pro, quote, since we first launched... Ubuntu LTS with five years free security coverage for the main OS, our enterprise customers have asked us to cover more and more of the wider open source landscape under private commercial agreements. Today, we are excited to offer the benefits of all that work free of charge to anyone in the world with a free personal Ubuntu Pro subscription. There you go. So, I, you know, I think yeah, there is value to it. You know, it's not for like sure. 
it's not like it's completely you know, worthless advertisement. There is value to it. And I do think that the security updates for that many packages is really cool. But I want to make it clear for everyone, it doesn't mean that there are packaging updates for every single application whenever there's a new update. It's when there are security issues that have to be addressed at that given time. But if you're looking for it to like automatically update any package whenever there's a new, that's not really what's going to happen. Okay, so one more question on this. If you run Ubuntu, should you be using, why not sign up for Ubuntu Pro? Is there any reason, listeners out there, if you have less than five machines, you shouldn't be utilizing this Ubuntu Pro? Why not just sign up for it and set it up? That's interesting. I, I think there is a argument to say both ways, whether you, uh, you know, if you want to use Ubuntu Pro because you're using a system for longer than five years, for sure, then that case, absolutely. But for most people that I've talked to who use Ubuntu, if they're using Ubuntu LTS, they're going to be updating every two years anyway to the next LTS. Mm -hmm. So it might not be as effective to them because it says that I'm not sure what's the like how much different the Ubuntu Pro, those extra packages, are those only if they are using the Ubuntu Pro or are they in the agreement of the, the five-year LTS like Mark talked about in the quote that we, we gave. I'm not sure exactly how that works out. If it is only in Ubuntu Pro, then it kind of makes sense that you could do it. But also the other aspect is that if you are, you know, you're going to be updating frequently anyway. So if you, if you, especially if you do every six months, then might not be worth it. But you Just have depends. to give your information away. You have to sign up for an account, right? So you have True. to give them yeah. some information. So people who are completely against giving any information at all about themselves or what they're doing probably wouldn't want to go this route. That's um, also true, yeah. Uh, one last thing. When you look at other distros that are based on Ubuntu, so they're not promoting Ubuntu, but they're based on Ubuntu, right. like Pop! OS, let's say. Are they going to be getting these ads for Ubuntu Pro, even though they aren't Ubuntu technically? They are, but they're not. It's a good question, and it's hard oh. to... Answer based on I haven't been able to, to like look at the code of Apt and see how they've implemented this, but I do feel like it wouldn't likely happen for a couple of reasons. Either uh, Ubuntu thought about this in the first place and made a made it check to see if it's Ubuntu, and if not, I think that the distributions who would be are based on it, like Pop OS or Elementary or Linux Mint, would take it into account that they would make sure that it's not doing it before. You know, it gets to the user. So I'm curious if those distributions had to make that change or not. Let me ask, if it does at the point where you see Pop! OS and others where they can't easily remove it and you find out that that's happening in other distros based on Ubuntu, does that change your stance on this whole thing? Yes. If they can't easily remove it, yes, it would. Because it, it's, not an, it's not an ad on Ubuntu for Ubuntu. If it was an ad for Ubuntu on something else that would be crossing the line. Yes. Yeah. I have, I, I don't, I'm not saying that I have this strong line in the sand of like, I, uh, uh, advertising is great everywhere, but I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like there are certain types of advertising that are okay. And I think that um, this is a example of one, but you could easily, easily cross that line and mm -hmm. doing yeah. that, putting in other distributions, even derivatives and all that. Yes, that would be crossing the line. Yeah, it's that gray area. Yep. <laughs> well, if you want to be more like Jill and me and less like Michael, you need to check out Bitwarden. 
If you care about your security and privacy, <laughs> then you need to be using an open source project. I care about security and privacy too, buddy. <laughs> if you want to be like Michael, Jill, and Ryan, you need to check out bitwarden.com slash tux. That's slash T-U-X. A password manager software allows you to have peace of mind knowing that your online accounts are safe and secure. Bitwarden provides you tools to manage all your passwords in a secured vault. It can auto-generate those passwords and auto-generate your usernames as well. Because think about it. If, every, if you use the same username for every site, then a hacker has half your credentials to get into your site by just finding out what your username is. So auto-generate those just like you do your passwords. But how do you keep track of all that? You do it with the ease of Bitwarden, and it works on all of your devices, whether web browser, mobile apps, desktop applications, even the command line. So you can run Bitwarden in the command line, and then when you do an update, you can get the little message from Ubuntu saying to go to Pro. You can ignore that and then just keep getting into your passwords with Bitwarden. Bitwarden seals and encrypts private data with end-to-end -end encryption before it ever leaves your device, so you know you're the only person with access to your data. Go to bitwarden.com tux to get started for free, and I mean free, free, as in you don't need a credit card or any of that stuff. You can just sign up. But if you have the ability, they have a $10 per year premium account, one gigabyte encrypted file storage, two-step login key with YubiKey, U2F Duo. That's how I get into my Bitwarden is with the YubiKey. Absolutely love it. Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator, TOTP, Priority Customer Support, and so much more. Less than a dollar per month. Amazing software. I see this in all of these sites that do security and privacy where they're doing their top apps for the year. I saw this recently in on a Twitter ad for one of those articles. And guess what it had at the top? Bitwarden was right there. Go to bitwarden.com slash TUX and get started right now. And thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Destination Linux. Yes, thank you very much, Bitwarden, for sponsoring this episode. Right after we talk about advertising being bad, people. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we're not putting this in their terminal. Like, not, yeah. But that's a good question, Canonical. Yeah. Can we buy some ad spot on your yeah, terminal? Can we, when you, yeah, when you, when you apt update, can it say watch Destination Linux? That <laughs> yeah. would be awesome. And, it, and we would completely change our opinion. I'm just kidding. We're kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Ubuntu, they have a new release of 22.10 that's dropped this week. It's the Kinetic Kudu release. And you get a, a lot of updates, but the biggest change that is happening with 22.10 versus the uh, previous version of 22.04 is the introduction of GNOME 43. And there's a lot of stuff that's been changed in GNOME 43. Like, for example, there's been a lot of new applications ported from GTK3 to GTK4. But the biggest change in GNOME 43 is definitely the quick settings menu. You can change a lot of stuff much easier than it used to be, where you can do like change your Wi-Fi connections really quickly. You can also change the audio devices while having to install a separate extension to do it right from the quick setting menu and a lot of other cool things. I think that it's interesting that we're talking about the latest release right after we're talking about the controversy it's of it. The Ubuntu but, extravaganza. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yes. It's all Ubuntu the whole episode. So all those running Ubuntu will love this. Michael, I mean, on your show this week in Linux, which by the way, you need to be subscribed to like immediately Great. this week in Linux if you want all of the Linux good news out there. <laughs> you talk about one of your favorite things, which is also one of my favorite things. And that's Pipewire with Wire Plumber by default. Why is Pipewire so amazing? On the professional audio scale, being able to utilize all the jack tools easily right out of the box oh, yeah. is what makes Pipewire 
and Wire Plumber such an amazing addition. And Ubuntu, a lot of other distros have already moved here. Ubuntu's finally got this now as default, which is really awesome because this show, for instance, is very unique in how it's recorded. We've talked about that in a prior episode of how we do this show. You can check it mm-hmm. out. But we do this really weird mix minusing from other rooms and things to bring our patrons in. They're in like a separate stadium, 60,000 square foot virtual stadium. Yep. That, and they're watching us live on a separate video feed, which is different than the delay in YouTube and everything else and have a chat room with us. But they're piped in. And we do all of that because of Pipewire. Before Pipewire... Me and Michael spent like, I, I don't know, probably a combination of 16 hours trying to figure out how to properly whoa, whoa, pipe. Whoa. So there, you understand maybe more. It, it, it was yeah. maybe like, uh, I think like at least a few hours over uh, every day for the course of a couple weeks. So yeah. it, like it might seem like 16 hours. We, we should talk about like how long it actually took us to do that <laughs> amount of time. Like it was a lot of testing because yeah. there, it was just, I, it was I just a lot so to much do. equipment and everything. Cause this isn't a simple mix minus you can go on YouTube, see a quick little, quick little mix minus and be done with it. But mm-hmm. we're, we're mixing in an entire room full of people back and forth between two separate applications, completely different experience. We're but doing a mix that, minus minus mix minus mix minus. Yes, Exactly. And all of that (laughs) is a few clicks because of Pipewire. So that gives you an example, like in Windows and Mac OS, which requires Mac OS, by the way, you have to buy a completely separate audio app to be able to capture audio and things. It's it's just amazing that people don't get mad about this stuff, but it's way more difficult. Now in Linux, it's actually easier to do things like what we're doing on the professional side in seconds that mm-hmm. it would take you, even if you knew what you were doing in Windows, an hour or more to get those type of things set up. So like it's, when I tell you that Pipewire and Wire Plumber is a game changer, it's like what Valve and Code Weavers was for gaming. Pipewire and Wire Plumber is for audio on the Linux side, oh, but absolutely. it allows us yeah, to do on a professional absolutely. side. Yeah, and you know, I've been, I'm running right now Ubuntu Mate 22.04 LTS, but I've been running Jack for years. And I am so looking forward to the Ubuntu's on with Pipeware. <laughs> that, that is just, it's gonna, it's gonna make it so much easier for me. Yeah. Uh, not to mention, I don't have to, you know, install a special kernel, low lat- latency kernel, just to use, you know, Jack. Now I can right. use it through Pipeware. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's awesome. Pipeware it changes a lot for you know many configurations. It also mm-hmm. for those who are cu- are curious. It isn't just like a complete replacement of everything. So what it does is it it can compatibility with both Jack and Pulse Audio. So you get all the benefits of both without having to worry about the configuration and the setup and installation and all that of con- like changing your system to be able to support it. So that's the real big thing about Pipewire is yes, it supports these things and most importantly is that it does it without you having to do anything. And that yep is game changing. Yeah. <laughs> like it's fantastic. Now I am kind of disappointed that the it didn't get in 2204 cuz that means uh the I LTS know. release yeah. distros <laughs> are not going to get it for another couple of years. But I am happy to see that Ubuntu has now pushed it in the in their default because it will prompt a lot of people to check it out and that's fantastic. Well, Ubuntu's been off my radar entirely because of not having basically the ability to utilize Pipewire and Wire Plumber out of the box. Now people say, well, you can go install that and do that stuff yourself. You can, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. True. And there there were bugs and issues with doing that from the professional side. It may work for your regular audio when you're watching YouTube or headphones or whatever, but there were issues with it. 
in the way that it was implemented, not as part of the distro that Fedora didn't have. So to me, Ubuntu has been literally off of my radar this entire time, really for the past couple of years, because it's been unusable for me from that standpoint. But now it's kind of back on my radar. So I went and installed it. And I got to tell you, there were some moments where I was like, man, I miss some of the things Ubuntu does so darn well. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you what they do better than anybody else, period. There is no argument here. Don't argue, Michael. And that's their installation process. Their installation whoa, whoa, process Ryan, is Ryan. so much better. <laughs> Ryan, I'm going to have to just stop you right there and say I agree completely. Continue. Yes. Their Yay! installation process is better than any other distro, not by a little bit, but by miles. It, it's so well curated. So it's so simple, yet all the advanced options are there. It makes sense whether you're coming from Mac OS or Windows or Chrome OS. It doesn't matter. Like there, yep. it, it just, it just makes sense. You're not clicking random things to set things up and not realizing why the next button's not lighting up because you didn't click in the hard drive and then click the drive that you really want. And none of that junk. But all the advanced features are still there for those people who want it. Like Ubuntu does installation better than anybody. Number two, when I first booted into it, the wallpaper they chose, whoever is doing the art for Ubuntu, absolutely gorgeous. Like mm -hmm. beautiful artwork. The, the Kudu grazing art piece, which isn't the default one, but there's one where it's like a sunset and there's oh, this Kudu yeah. on this hill. It's and beautiful. oh, yeah. the artistry is just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, the new settings panel, GNOME, is very welcome to me. Like, I always have to install an extension to be able to change audio inputs and outputs. And now that GNOME has given us that back, that's an amazing option. Now, I fear GNOME will take it away because if you know GNOME, GNOME giveth and GNOME taketh away. <laughs> but, you know, for now we have it until, you know, other news comes out about that. But the only thing that really bugged me, and I did not expect this to bug me, if you look in the past episodes, I've supported Snaps. I've been supportive of Snap, uh, Flatpaks, really any of the universal apps I can see a purpose for. But I got to tell you, this whole thing with the snaps is really not good. The, the situation was really bad. For instance, I click Firefox in, in a brand new install after doing an apt update and an apt upgrade, and it just sat there and spun and spun and spun. And I don't know if it was ever going to stop. So I kill the process and click the app again, and it spins and spins and spins and nothing happens until eventually I just launch it from the terminal and then it takes forever to open, but finally does open. And then from there I can use the icon again. So this snap integration stuff, it's just not, it's not working canonical. Like you got, you got to pull back because I also did some research and it found out, and I know a lot of the experienced people are going to be like, yeah, we knew this, that snaps are not really universal. Right. And if you take, for instance, the server instances of Snap, where I think Snap absolutely accelerates, right? If you want to drop a server, like a NextCloud server or something else, Snap makes it so simple. But if you're not using Ubuntu, you do not have, likely in your distro, a true sandbox experience, which means you have applications running with root access across your entire machine. And that's because Snaps rely so heavily on AppArmor, and AppArmor is not universally and all these other distros, and even some of them that do have app armor, the way they implement it is different than Ubuntu. So right. you have actually the exact opposite of what a snap is supposed to provide. You've actually created a security hole in your system by using snaps, if you're not using Ubuntu. And that scared the crap out of me. 
Yeah, it's an interesting situation to be in, but the Snap system is really made for Ubuntu. Now, you can install Snaps in other distributions, but they don't work exactly the same way. And there are some distributions have taken in consideration the confinement issue, but the confinement is still not in the same way that it does in Ubuntu. And, and like you said, that some people do the app armor in a different way, which means that the support for Snap specifically are not going to be there. And there are certain things that, like, for example, Fedora has done with SE Linux to improve the confinement, but it's still not the same experience. Uh, but it is interesting because the Snap experience I had with Firefox was, it was, a, it took a while, but it, I, I guess I'm just more patient than you and it was fine for me. But um, <laughs> but it it was a, it did take a little bit of time to load it up, and that was kind of annoying. But once it did, it still it ran just fine as I was expecting. But the the thing about Snaps that's really cool is the server stuff, like you're talking about. The servers using Snaps on the server is so nice. Now the updates so yeah. easy. It, well, it's also Updates just easy to install. So, yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's configured yeah. specific for like the NextCloud example is the best example to give because NextCloud is a nightmare to install in the, the, the general sense of it. And with the, with the Snap, it's just snap install NextCloud and that's it. It's And it's super smooth. So I do think there is a place for Snaps in the servers yes, area there is. Mm -hmm. for sure. So we're not saying that Snaps are terrible or whatever. No. But they're not what There's they claim place. to yeah. be. That's what I'm. That's what I'm worried about. Is uh, and like you said, there are certain distros that have done mitigations, but there are distros who haven't. But people oh, are utilizing sure. Snaps with the idea universally that they have a sandboxed application when that not it's not necessarily actually happening, and that right. creates more of a security issue in there. Now, listen, I use Snaps for server stuff all the time because, especially for Nextcloud, because it's just so much simpler. But what I'm telling people is if you're going to use Snaps, you need to be in Ubuntu and use Snaps, really, in my opinion, to have the security, make sure the security and things that you're wanting to do are there, which when I'm saying that makes me also say this is not really a universal app format to begin with. Right. I would say that it's a it's a format you can install in other distributions, but it is not universal for sure because it's not the same everywhere. And it is it is interesting because I use Snaps as well in Fedora, and there are times where if you're not using Ubuntu, like the fonts don't load properly on dialog pop-ups. Yeah, so it's just a bunch of square boxes that you can't read anything, and you have no idea what the pop-up is. It's like, warning. Feature, Michael. Good luck yeah. figuring out what this means. <laughs> you know, like there, there are certain issues that I wish Snaps would address. Um, and overall, I'm not, I, I think that my preference is definitely flat packs. But that's also more specifically for the desktop. And I think that if Canonical were to pivot and say, hey, snaps are made for the, the server, flat packs are for the desktop, we would have a fantastic experience because they that's really where they both shine. Mm -hmm. So true, yeah. Michael. In fact, on my Ubuntu machines, I usually uninstall Snap, SnapD. Um, I don't, I don't want to deal with it on my, uh, I love that about you. Jill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in fact, with, the, with Firefox, I install the binaries from the Firefox website, but I do have snaps installed on a server because again, yes. that's where it shines. Just makes it so easy. 
Yeah. <laughs> the, the other thing I really like is the whole doc and the look of Ubuntu kind of going back to some positive things. I didn't mean to go on a snap soapbox. I know there's a lot <laughs> of people that hate snap unjustifiably. I just... I just had the experience they've been complaining about for the first time. So anyway, yeah. so the the dock looks, you know, really nice. Nautilus looks really nice. They've done a lot of graphical updates and things. And, and I can tell like the work that the team's done there on the interfaces is spectacular. The, the, there are little things that really bug me in a desktop environment. And one of those is like you can move the launcher from the left side of your screen down to the bottom from settings. But then it moves the application launcher over to the right all the way. Mm -hmm. now, I want my application launcher where my mouse generally spends its default position, which is on the left side. Mm -hmm. But there's no setting to go change that application launcher over to the left side that's built into the GUI. You actually have to become root and do this long command <laughs> thing to move the application launcher over to the left. Now you can move every other application on the launcher where you want it, except the application launcher itself, which is really annoying to me. Like that really, I, I gotta tell you, it, I was like a little volcano and it was slowly yeah. erupting <laughs> as I Aww. couldn't figure out how to move the stupid application launcher, the simple thing that I'm like, surely you just click it and hold and drag or you right click to get the settings. Or if I go into the Ubuntu launcher <laughs> setting, it's gonna be there, but it's not. And I'm Googling it. I'm like, why am I having to Google this people? Like, come on. Uh, it's, it's interesting that you're talking about this because I, I would yeah. like to ask you something, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Aren't you the guy who loves defaults and just sticks with defaults? What's with this changing stuff, huh? Yeah, and you need to solve <laughs> <laughs> dash to panel. <laughs> Jill, it's not polite to point, okay? <laughs> dash to dock, dash to panel. Yeah, that's what I normally do, Jill, but I yeah. thought... Why do I have to do that now? I Why don't do have, have to use to an that? extension now for the audio I switcher. See. Maybe the GNOME team has made it so that these basic <laughs> features that every other desktop environment in the world have, I can now just do. Ex except yeah. there's always, they always got there's me somewhere. Of, They're like, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. You can't, you can't make that one little change. Gotcha. There are things that you would expect people to do. And when you can't do them, it is going to be frustrating. And I totally get that. I'm just kind of surprised that you just didn't leave it alone. Because you're, yeah. you're, you're known as the yeah. one who installs XFCE and touches nothing, Look, and changes here's nothing. Here's my mouse. So I get on my computer. My hand is here, and my mouse is now on the left side. Now, to open my applications, I have to... Look at that. Look at that movement. I practically have to drink water in between getting my cursor all <laughs> the way over to the right side to click uh, that launcher or hit the super key. Don't you use terminal, bro? <laughs> don't you use terminal, bro? <laughs> Oh man, Jill is, Jill is on me. All right, and one more bug I came across is fractional oh. scaling. Um, so with fractional scaling on, it gave me 100% or 200%, but when I turned fractional scaling off, it gave me 100%, 200%, or 300%. None of that to me is fractional that's scaling. That's not fractional scaling, no. Um, so I think that's broke. At least it was broke in my install. So fractional scaling, might want to check that out, Ubuntu. But otherwise... It's Ubuntu. I mean, the application defaults are great. The look of it is better than it's ever looked before. There's definitely some great features in there, uh, but there's definitely some things I would like to see changed. And I love your idea, Michael. Snaps for server, flat packs for desktop. Let's Absolutely. let's do it. Let's make it's this great. happen. We've declared yeah. it. It would be it'd be like chocolate and peanut butter. The perfect yeah. combination. Hmm. 
Is that the perfect combination? It is. I guess Reese's Pieces. Yeah. yeah I mean, chocolate yeah, peanut butter is amazing. Reese's what are you talking peanut about? Yeah. Cups. I don't know. For some reason, when you said it, I'm imagining a peanut butter sandwich and somebody spreading peanut butter and then chocolate on it. And I was like, no, it's supposed to be something else. It's jelly. I mean, I meant jelly. just peanut butter and chocolate. Nobody that. uses that example. <laughs> People say it's like peanut butter and jelly. Nobody goes, it's like peanut butter and chocolate. I had never heard that. You know, it took me a minute. That's a fair it. point. That is a fair point. It, peanut butter and jelly would have made more sense because then it would make, make clear about what you're referring to. But like Reese cups are amazing. So it's true. Have you ever put them in the freezer, by the way? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're even better. It's crazy. Yeah. Somehow. Wow. It's that coldness of the chocolate and everything. Uh, yeah. Okay, sorry, Jill. Uh, <laughs> this tangent might be removed from the episode. Just say no. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Aw. No, I might leave it in. Who knows? It depends if we have time or not. <laughs> Do you look around at empty Coke bottles, bowls of half-eaten ramen, and clutter all over your room and wish you could just start over? <laughs> well, then we have the no. game for you. <laughs> It's called Hermit Home Designer, and it is a story-based game that lets you design a perfectly organized home by dragging and dropping around statues and decor to your heart's delight. Reimagine what your bedroom could be in this free-to-play adventure made for people like Michael. Hermits. <laughs> no. Or, or for those with social anxiety. True on both counts. Michael being a hermit and <laughs> I'm so confused right now. I, I, I did not write that, Michael. Okay, I did. You okay, did. I, that. I was like, I'm, I'm saying, like, that doesn't seem like Jill's savageness. <laughs> so, um, do you have bowls of ramen and Coke bottles sitting around your room? I Michael? haven't had ramen in I don't know a long time. I mean, I like ramen, but it's a lot know. of sodium in ramen, so just keep yeah, that in mind. True. But um, it's it's funny because when I first saw this was going to be in the show and Ryan was like, hey, check out the game. I'm like, okay, cool. So I check it out and this is my reaction. What? Yeah. <laughs> what is this? Oh, it's a really fun game. Actually, the theming of the game is done in the kawaii aesthetic, which mm -hmm. I personally love. You know, look at my computer studio and all my plushy penguins, my gaming setup behind me and in front of me. I'm very kawaii penguin aesthetic. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love this game. I thought it was fun. And it, it's just a nice, relaxing experience. And it has um, a lot of really good, you know, it, go, it kind of goes in depth on, on um, the main character's personality and what she's dealing with and with social anxiety. So it's, it's a, a good teaching experience as well. Not just for hermits like Michael. <laughs> You could be a better designer, Michael. <laughs> yeah. Think about it. Like you, you. Yeah, I can work on my interior, on interior design skill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, sure. That's something I definitely need to put on my resume for sure. So I need to work on that. Yeah, yeah. that you're a hermit home designer. That I'm a hermit home designer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Jill, when you played this game, um, did just curious? Did you make your room? Like, was there an option to make your room full of penguin plushies and other things? Or how did you design it? Um, it didn't have uh, penguin plushies, but it did have sushi plushies and, and teddy bears and other plushies that I like. It, it didn't have penguins, though. But what I did is I, I actually made a mock-up of this room. <laughs> oh, nice. nice. You're yeah. like, how do I create the perfect room? I yeah. create the room I already created. Yes. I love it. I love it. <laughs> nice. 
that's that's you know like Jill is satisfied with her her room right yeah now. yes I love it but also we need to make sure we submit submit a, like a, a bug report to get penguins in there because you know yeah definitely you're missing a lot of you're missing times, a lot of opportunity right now mm-hmm. a lot of times the developers actually comment in our YouTube or other things that thank you for highlighting their games so they may be watching yeah. this and if you it's do possible. we need penguin plushies and with the big DL emblem on them would be cool too Don't yeah that part. And this game, you know, it does support Linux out of the box, but it needs to support the Linux Penguin aesthetic. Yes. <laughs> I want Penguin plushies. Of course you do. <laughs> and for the developers <laughs> listening to this, if you need a reminder as you're doing all your development work that you need to put those Penguin plushies into your game, then you right. need to check out our software spotlight, ah. Remind Duck. Yes, Remind Duck. absolutely, Remind Ryan. Duck. You got to remember your stuff in an adorably annoying way. That's their tagline. I didn't write that. Remind Duck is a simple reminder app made to be quick and easy. It focuses on simple reoccurrent reminders with set time and date and nothing else. If you just need simple daily, weekly, monthly reminders that quack at you <laughs> to make sure yes, that you I remember do. to get that task done then this is the app for you. The only thing this app is missing is the whole duck hunt thing. Like, I want to be able to shoot the duck to make it stop quacking. <laughs> it's Would supposed not to be adorable, amazing? not violent, Ryan. Well, that's where they're, they're missing <laughs> Although, out on a key. At the same time, I do agree that would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, speaking of the duck hunt... Ryan, I think Michael AI needs to be implemented in the Duck Hunt feature. Yes. We definitely got to put that in Actually, there. Actually, I could probably fork their code and put it yeah. into Michael AI. Yeah. And then you have a picture of Michael that comes up and quacks at you. When you <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Oh, no. I'm, I dread this. I dread this idea. Well, I like this little app. Yeah, Remind Duck looks pretty good. I think yeah. I think it's interesting because it, it's it's both sleek and simple, and mm-hmm. at the same time is a annoying, a quacking, and cute tool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, and I love the duck quacks in the text. I think that's cool. And the developer said he's working on the sounds too. Quack quack. Yeah. <laughs> What's interesting is this is exactly how my wife describes me. Annoying You're a quack. Cute. You're a quack. quack. <laughs> Annoying and cute, but sure, quack. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. My bad. <laughs> you can use emojis in the reminders as well, which is a lot. That is critical, people. Yes. It's Crit- absolutely about critical for me. Yes. Can we have gifts? If there's, we're gonna, you're going to no have to gifts. put a reminder in your remind duck to put add gifts to remind duck. <laughs> or if you're like me, it'd be gifs. How dare you? GIFs. <laughs> okay, we're going to stop the show right now, and we're going to discuss this GIF versus GIF debate right here, because this is the a- original this, creator said it's GIF. Yes, but he, he also is wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it's graphic, not giraffic. So, yeah. I mean, okay. Graphic anyway. interchange format. Cupcakes, better muffins. Go on. Okay, we're going to stop the show right now. We're going to talk about muffins being better. <laughs> I'm going to pull this car around. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk. Let's go to the tip of the week. So this week we're going to be talking about you know encryption and how to have a peace of mind with your encryption when you put it in the cloud. So saving things to the cloud gives you a lot of peace of mind in in case of you have like a fire or disaster that happens to your your current current location where you physically are. You could lose photos and you could lose videos and documents and all that stuff if your machines are in, caught in a fire. So having a 
a cloud access and having a remote location is definitely a good idea for your backups, especially for your most important stuff. However, cloud storage gets expensive. And if you want cloud storage with encryption, it's even more expensive. And in addition to that, there's a constant revolving door of whether or not you can trust the company who is storing your files and whether or not their encryption is legitimate or they just claim it is because there have been companies in the past that have been shown that their encryption is not really safely Focus. encrypted. Right. Mm -hmm. So instead, we suggest the tip of the week to locally encrypt your files before you move them to the cloud. You can trust your own encryption methods and you will save money not paying for that extra fee that claims to have good encryption when they might not anyway. So by locally encrypting and then uploading your files, you can be certain that your files are safe from prying eyes. And with cloud providers, you should you know, instead focus on their security implementation, such as if they have good two-factor authentication, not using a mobile phone number or privacy policies or their emergency access capabilities in case you need to have someone get access to your, your documents and stuff like that. Like for example, Bitwarden has an option where if you need to be able to like in an emergency, give access to your accounts, you can do that. And that sort of thing is something you need to check out for these sorts of cloud services. Instead, now there's a lot of different tools to be able to encrypt locally. There's too many to name right now, but that's the main tip of the week is encrypt your files before you upload. That way you don't have to worry about if their encryption is legitimate or not. Well, I do that in the cloud as well as locally to, in, on floppy disks. <laughs> so I Jill have has the perfect privacy. Honestly. Yeah, she has like, the floppy disk gonna, approach. Yeah, the floppy disk <laughs> thing is just genius, Jill. I love that. Uh, in our events, we've got some really exciting events coming up. Fedora 37 virtual launch party. Join the celebration. Learn all about all the new features that are coming in Fedora 37. You can register for this event. We will have a link in the show notes for that. But November 4th and 5th, put that on your calendar or in your remind duck so that you can attend that and hang out with a bunch of other people who love the same thing that you love and learn all about Fedora 37. So I think that would be really fun. And next week, if you hadn't noticed, this is our 299th episode. I was doing the math, carrying the one, doing some multiplication, blah, blah, blah. Figured <laughs> out next week is our 300th episode. Man, your calculations are impressive. <laughs> that equation which it took so long. <laughs> Our 300th episode of Destination. Like, can you believe we have 300 episodes? 300 people tune episodes. in after 300 episodes of listening to us babble on about cupcakes, muffins, we stools, chairs. <laughs> All of this stuff, like we appreciate you so me. much dealing with our nonsense <laughs> yes. yeah. for three hundred episodes. You're all saints, you know. You, exactly. For, yeah. We love love you all. Most of them. Okay, so <laughs> next week is our three hundred episode, and we're going to be giving away three hundred dollars in celebration to open source projects. So what we're going to do is we're going to do two open source projects. One, our patrons are going to pick, which we'll give a buck fifty to. That's how the cool kids say one hundred fifty dollars. And then the other one will give a buck fifty two as well uh, that we pick. So two open source projects next week in celebration. What better way to celebrate than to give the people, the developers and others who make this show even possible? Because what would we have to talk about if they didn't do the cool things they do? Some money out there. So we'll put a pull up on the Patreon page for the patrons. Let us know what open source project you want us to give a donation to. Absolutely. And if you are wondering about why you should join the patron post show and the virtual stadium, they're going to give us suggestions right after the show for what we're going to be donating to and putting in that poll. So there is a thing for this. Why you, that's why you need to be here live and in the patron yep. post show stadium. I'm not sure what we call the stadium, just the stadium. That's it. <laughs> the Das Rock. 
the Dot Rock Stadium. Rock. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so rock, rock, I think rock. we're also going to do some other celebration stuff. We might do some gaming. Me and Michael and Jill might do some game streaming afterwards. But we're definitely going to open up the patron room next week so everyone can join. We uh, also so, have a, yeah. a a thing that we're planning to do that Ryan's not aware of. And I'm oh. gonna, I'm just gonna tease it right here and say it's gonna be, you know, it's not gonna be like a, a normal everyday episode two. So we're, it's gonna be, we're gonna it's have true. some fun on it. I know so what you're talking about. be sure to watch episode 300 as well. I mean, if you can't make it live, that's okay. You can, you can become a patron and get the unedited version, or you can just watch it as it comes out on YouTube. But you're going to want to watch the patron thing. You're more annoying than a terminal ad. A big thank you to each and every (laughs) one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. However you do it, we love your faces. We're here every Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern live on TuxDigital.com slash live. And the best part, everyone is invited to watch the recording of Destination Linux each and every week. And we can't wait to see you in the chat. Speaking of annoying, you can become a patron by going to TuxDigital.com slash contribute. And you can hang out with us every week after the show in the patron-only post-show. Plus, you get access to unedited versions of the show if you do miss the live stream. So there's all sorts of great perks. So go to TuxDigital.com slash contribute. And if you want more advertisements, I have some for you because you can go right now to TuxDigital.com slash store. You can pick up some great swag for Destination Linux. We have mugs, hoodies, t-shirts, like hats, all sorts of great stuff, stickers, and nothing that Ryan picks up. I'm, uh, <laughs> that's, that's just a normal thing he does, but no, no, none of that stuff. We also have tons of other great things for various other shows. So if you like hardware addicts or you like This Week in Linux, there's tons of great stuff. So check it out, tuxdigital.com slash store. Great for Christmas. You know, if I'm thinking about Christmas, Christmas is right present, around the corner, yeah. Ryan. In my life. Absolutely. It's right I'm going around the to corner. the Tux Digital store and I'm buying a bunch of swag for the loved ones in my life. What do you think my wife gets for Christmas every year? <laughs> a Destination Linux t-shirt. That's what she gets. <laughs> I, I'm giving my brother and my nephew these coasters for Christmas. Nice. See? Nice. Yes. Get it. Love it. <laughs> And uh, make sure to check out all our awesome shows here on Tux Digital. We have the Pseudo Show, This Week in Linux, the DOS Geek Channel, Linux Out Loud, Hardware Addicts, GameSphere, and our virtual Linux user group, Linux Saloon. Everyone head to TuxDigital.com and subscribe to all these incredible shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app, a thumbs up, so others can discover the power of, of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. And everybody have a great week. And Become remember that the journey itself is Become just as important as, as the destination. A <laughs> Come patron. The journey itself is just as important as becoming a as patron. <laughs> <laughs> See, ads can really be annoying. That's the that's the point of that. I feel like we really proved that point. You know? <laughs>